you, team, for your amazing work out here. I've been talking about the Word of God, that it's time for us to connect with the Word. Have you been connected, connecting with the Word of God? Now, now we're talking specifically about the Bible, but we also know that the Word of God is not just the Bible. The Word of God is actually Jesus Christ Himself. He is the Word. I'm going to get to that a little later. Hold on to that. And we also know that the Word, in the beginning was the Word. I read that already. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And here was with God in the beginning. And then we know that the Word became flesh. Verse 14 of John uh, in the first uh, chapter, the Gospel of John. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory. Have you seen His glory? Amen. Praise the Lord. The glory of God is present. And He wants to be present in your life on a daily basis, not just on Sunday morning. That's important. We talked about some aspects of the Word. The Word is a divine Word. It's not a human Word. Specifically of the things He said that has to do with divine things, has to do with supernatural things has to do with the kingdom of God, has to do with all these things that are not natural or not from here. They are for here, but they reflect of something that's out there and up there. So it's in a divine word. It is also an eternal word. Once it is said, it is said. The Lord himself, he is bound to his own word. How in the world God is a, God, a free God? Yes, He's a free God. But once He put the law in place, once He put the Word in place, He sticks to the Word. As soon as He gets off the Word, He is no longer God. So let it be clear, He is God. He has not changed and He is not changing His mind. He put the Word in place, that's it. It's going to go by exactly what He said. Now, that's important. Whenever you read the Word, whenever you took, open up the Bible, start reading, you will notice, okay, oh, the Lord said this. You betcha, it's going to take place, if it hasn't already. Every single word up to the very last letter, very last dot, it will come to pass. It will be uh, a reality. So, it's divine Word. It's an eternal Word. It's going to be lasting forever. It's true word. It is a strong word. We also know in Jeremiah 23 we read, It is not my, is not my word like fire. Oh, declares the Lord. And like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. That's the type of word that God speaks. Because he's just going to, you know, whatever he has decided to do and has said about he would do, he is going to do. Now, your word and my word, sometimes that's a little wacky. If you say you will be here sharply 10 o'clock, sometimes you will. And for the most part, a good Canadian, yes, you will be here exactly the time you said. But there could be things happening in your life. All of a sudden, a, a flat tire or something. All of a sudden, 
You said you wouldn't. Oh, it didn't really work out because, you know, I had a flooding in the basement or whatever. So that's for one reason. God's word is true. It is a strong word. He keeps the word no matter what. It's not like our word. It's a true word. It's absolutely true. Now for today, I still want to continue to touch a bit more on this subject. Okay, we are to connect to the Word. In the text in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, we read, Matthew 4, you have it in your bulletin, I think, at least there, the reference. Matthew 4, 1 to 4 says this, Then Jesus was led, and now this is all about the importance of the Word, people. Now, we're talking now, Jesus himself saying something here. Now, listen. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. See? Fully man. Somehow he needed to be prepared as a man to endure something heavier that was about to come. So, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they decided that this would be the best way of showing to human beings what it is to be tempted. And not just that, what it is to overcome the temptation. But then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And isn't that interesting? It says here in verse 2, after fasting 40 days, as a man, as a man, not as God, God could fast longer, but I guess, man, if you fast for 40 days, you're pretty down. Anyway, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. No kidding. And the tempter came to him and he said, Hey, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, and here's the answer that Jesus gave. gave. Jesus answered. Hey, sir. He didn't say that, sir, but it's my thing here. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. After 40 days not eating... I'm not sure if he was not drinking. I guess not drinking either. Fasting, it says. He was hungry. And in his hunger, before he got to the food, he said, you know what, devil? Listen very carefully. Bread is important for human beings. But there is something that is more important than the bread. And this is coming from a mouth of a man that after 40 days was hungry. He said, there is things that are more important than bread. That is the word of God. Now, fast forward 2000. In 19 years or maybe a little more. And you think about it. 
you today. If you are hungry, you go to the fridge. If you're driving a car, you stop at Tim's, you got a coffee, you got a, you know, a muffin or something, a donut or a Timbit or something, and you will fill that desire. Is it the same way you would fill the desire of your, or the desire of your, of the Word of God? For the, your desire for the Word of God. Is it in the same level? If you're hungry, you're going to get something to eat. But Jesus here is saying, the Word goes beyond the hunger of the flesh. The Word is actually more important than the timbits. The word will actually be way more, maybe way more important than what Brazilians like. They like a nice barbecue. A nice, juicy steak. That's top. And now I know some people are starting thinking, man, yeah, maybe I should have one. So our eyes started to, but here's the thing. Jesus is saying after 40 days, the bread the real bread is more important than the food. Now keep that in mind as you go through this. The bread of the word, or the bread of God, which is Jesus himself, what is the word of God, is more important. Now we read in First Peter, we read in First Peter chapter 2, verses 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. You got to crave. And those kids, now I know Matt's, he knows very well about that. If that baby is hungry, guess what? It's going to make a noise. And it's going to make a noise until it actually gets what it wants. Isn't that true? At least my kids were like that. They wouldn't stop. Just as the babies crave for pure milk, we should be craving, craving, craving for the Word of God. Now, I might ask you, don't answer, but answer in your own mind. How much is your craving for the Word of God? How much do we consider the Word of God even more important than breakfast and luncheon and supper and all the things in between? How much of us consider the word as, wow. See, I'm just like you. Sometimes we are so busy doing all kinds of things, we don't have time to actually stand still and actually read a portion of the Scripture and see what the word of life is actually telling us. The strong word, the eternal word, the pure word, the true word. That's why the first thing we need to do is actually get the taste of it. We've got to start reading it. You and I are invited to actually understand what the Lord said. Now, first, you've got to do, you've got to read it. 
Joshua chapter 1 verses 8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but, it shall but you shall meditate on it day and night. Not just during the devotional 10 minutes. Now that might be a very hard thing to ask of us. Because we are busy. I am doing dishes right now. I cannot. Well, guess you can because you have the Holy Spirit in you that allows you to start thinking or continue on thinking about the Word. It's brewing in your mind. It's there. It's cooking. And you live by it. And you rejoice when you remember what has been said. So the text says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Hmm. If you don't read it, we don't know what's in there. If you don't know what's in there, we don't need to be careful about what's in there. We basically do whatever. How would you know something about being careful about something if you don't even know what you're supposed to be being careful about? So that's why we got to get acquainted with the Word. Got to read the Word. To be careful so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, for then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Not in any other way, by the way. If you fill your stomach with food, you might be caring about the, spirit, about the body. But you remember also Jesus saying, well, the body cares for nothing. I mean, it's not worth anything, really. Because it's the breath of life that the Lord Jesus put in you the day you were born like that, and then you became a living being. You know very well that once you die, and for those who are getting older, man, my body is not really responding anymore. Of course not. Your body's going to go down to the grave. It's going to turn into dust. It came from dust to dust, it's going back. See, there's really nothing to be worried about the flesh. Now, having said that, I still want to encourage you guys to do your gym, to do your caring, because you are actually caring. The Lord, the Spirit of God lives in us. And that's why we have to keep the house in order so that we can actually walk around, do things. But I want to encourage you. It is all about the Spirit. Make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Praise the Lord. Romans 15 verses 4 says this. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Ooh. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures. And that the encouragement they provide. And if you don't read the scriptures, you have no idea what kind of encouragement the word provides. There is a provision in Scripture that gives you encouragement. Now, who doesn't need some encouragement? I do. 
Sometimes you're down. You're down. You just feel down. You feel just bad. Well, then you go back to scriptures. And then you read scriptures. And then it kind of lifts you back up. See, there's this feature in scripture that actually brings you encouragement. I love it. You're down. Hey, where do you go? Not to the fridge. Well, maybe that's what we tend to do. And maybe I eat something, it will make me feel better. Well, the scripture will actually have encouragement in its, in its existence. So for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. There you go. There you have it. You want hope? You want encouragement? Where do you go to get it? Scripture. That's why you've got to connect to the scripture. How can we have hope? How can we know that they bring in the encouragement? How can we know that scriptures teach endurance? If you don't read it. Psalm 119 verses 10 to 11 says this. It's the apostle, the King David, I guess. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word. That's verse 11. In my heart that I might not sin against you. Question. What is it that you have hidden in your heart? See, this is, very, this is a basic message. Very, very simple. That's why, because the gospel is simple, and I myself am a simple guy. I, sometimes I wonder, man, you know, you know, I don't have the good words. Oh, you guys, you have read so many more books as I have. You probably have, and you, your, your, your English is so, so, uh, so beautiful. I kind of feel, man, you know, I don't have all these fancy words. Because I'm just not fancy. That's just not me. I'm not a fancy guy. But I know that the word that is hidden in my heart is the thing that brings me hope. I know it's there. There's the final definite source. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Have I sinned against him? Yes, I do. Have you sinned? Yes, you have. I think so, at least. You might not. Might be a perfect guy. John 16 verses, thir- 16, verses 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, and he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Very, very interesting text. Think about this. The Word of God is... Oh, the, the Holy Spirit is kind of in the Word, and He reveals the things that are the deepest in the heart of God. And so you find out about what God thinks, and how He believes, and what He thinks, and what's His projects, and so on. And even tells us about things to come. I have stored up, Psalm 119.11, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You store things up. So you've got to read it. Second thing, you've got to understand it. Now here's the thing. You know, the, the, the Bible talks about the word. Uh, basically, there are three different words, uh, Greek words, 
for the word word. One is actually grapho. The other one is logos, logos. And the other one is rema. Now, the word grapho is basically the print. It's basically the written word. You know, you open up your Bible, it's written, there's the, the letters on the paper. That's the grapho. Sometimes the word is, you look, and you, you just read, you, what you see, you read a word. Like the word content, you bah, it's, it's just a word. We're written on paper. So it's the, 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 the grapho part is really uh, not that what we are looking at. We, we see it, but we want more than that. So the, the, to, that's basically to express the written characters. And then there is the word logos. And the word logos basically um, carries the sense of collection of the word. It is the word of God. In a more practical way, logos is basically the content of the written word. You see it, you read it, you see the word written, and then the logos would be, okay, what does it mean? Literally. It refers to what God spoke and was written for our orientation. Logos is what is said behind the written words. Or the meaning behind the words. God says many things, but what is he trying to say through what is written? An example. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, Logos. And my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. John 14, 23. So Jesus is the Logos, first of all. Jesus Christ himself is the Logos, is the word. But as Jesus being the word, he still has a word to say. So without the Logos, we would not have found out about what God did. And then we have the word Rema. And Rema, it goes a little beyond the Logos in the sense of it is the spoken word. It's basically what must, does mean the word to me. Shows up about 20 times in the New Testament. It uses Greek word rhema. And looks up these, uh, you know, when, when you look up these verses and see what the Lord reveals to you. Um, you, will re you will notice that they really never talk about the written word. Making them distinct from logos. Which can include words down. Written down. So rhema means the spoken word. A good example of Rema, Romans 10, 16 to 17. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. You see, you read the word. Through the grapho comes to the logos, you understand. And then all of a sudden... The message comes to you through I like this thing here. Comes through the written or the, the 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 word that you just read. It pops out of you, out of the word, out of the scripture. You read it, 
And all of a sudden, okay, now what does this mean to me? It's the next step. What is the message that you just heard by reading Logos? So it's the word about Christ. So Rema is that timely, Holy Spirit-inspired word from the Logos that brings life, power, and faith. So it might be a specific word from the Lord taken out of the written word, Logos, that applies to us individually. So when we read Scripture, it sometimes is that for you it means something, for you it means something different, for you it means something that the Lord is speaking different things to different, peoples, uh, different people, but through the same source. It is the meaning. What does this meaning, this word now mean to you? So Rema is the instant, speak, instant speaking of God. It's by the Rema word that we find out about what God is saying. God uses the Logos to speak his Rema. It's a word that fits with our particular situation. Remember when the word, Jesus talks about the word, his word being a living word? That's basically what it is. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Think about that. You probably have read Scripture, and you have gotten nothing out of it. You read it, you just read it as it was written. You know it's true because you have learned it's true. You know, it's the Logos, it's the Word of God, truly the Word of God, as it is. But you didn't get anything out of it. But when you get out something out of it, when you, when you hear the written Word coming out and becoming something personally to you, now that's the rhema of God. Rhema is the, the flowing or the spontaneous thoughts that light upon our mind as we are in fellowship with the Lord through the Word or through prayer. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. Why is that? When you read it, when you read it, when you catch it, when you understand it, and when the Lord is speaking to you through what you just read, it becomes sharper than anything else. Because then, you, then, he, then the Lord uses you through His Spirit to actually use what you just read, and you change yourself, or you change somebody else, or you, 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 you speak something to somebody else, and that makes a person think. That is the supernatural part, the Spirit, the living Word of God in action. So the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates even to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And number three, talked about the Word, is the Word... Um, so it's, we've got to read, we've got to understand. And of course, we've got to take it to heart. 
Can you take your, the word of God to heart? Psalm 119 from 9 to 16 says this. How can a young person, or an old person for that matter, stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me, let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. And I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways and delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. You know, it gets to the heart when you all of a sudden you consider what you read. You consider something. You read it. Okay, let me think this through. What did I in the, what in the world did I just read? And all of a sudden it comes to you. You consider and you let it fall into the heart. Sometimes you think, well, yeah, I just did my devotion. I read. I read a portion of Scripture. Did, did God say anything? I don't know. I just read it, and I'm done. Well, we've got to go beyond that. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees, and I will not neglect your word. You've got to take it to heart. You stay with it. Now, once you have read, once you have obeyed, or once you have understood, then you have uh, taken it to heart. And then there's the fourth one. You've got to obey it. You've got to obey the word. Jesus replied, John 14, verses 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. My Father will come to them. There's nothing more. This is like winning the jackpot. It is the best that could ever happen to you when all of a sudden the Lord comes to you. Remember? We, we had a, 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 quite an interesting service here on Friday, and we were talking, and the pastor was speaking here, he was talking about, there was a church that had rented the place here, and, um, but the pastor that was speaking, he, he was sharing about the glory. He wanted to be filled with the glory, and he gave the example of, the, of Moses in the desert. Because God and Moses, they were friends, and they were up there in the, on, the, on Mount Sinai. And as he was up there trying to get the... the, the the tablets and whatnot, he wanted to, not this type of tablets, but he wanted to get the law and all that. Um, he was up there, and at one point he asked, Lord, would you show me your face or your glory? You know, and God said, you know, we are such good friends. I think I can arrange that special moment for you. But he said, you know, I cannot show up you cannot see my face because if you see my face, you'll die. Because my glory and my majesty is too big for you to endure. And you are uh, just a regular person. Yeah, 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 I know, I know that, God. I know, I know. But, you know, can I, you know? What is one going to do? Stay on this rock. 
between the two cliffs here. I'm going to cover my, your eyes with my hand. See, God went a long ways to do all kinds of things for Moses. And I'm going to be passing by. And you are going to see my glory from the back. Because you cannot see me face to face. And now we know what happened to Moses. He started glowing himself. He saw the glory of God. There is nothing like it. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And my Father will love them. And we will come to them. And make our home with them. This is mind-blowing. All of a sudden, you have the creator of the universe coming to you and come to you and live with you and walking with you and having fellowship with you, make a home with you. Think about it. That's what happens if you dig into the Word, if you start obeying what the Lord actually says. But how can we know if you don't read it? That's why you've got to read it. Exodus 19, verses 5 said, Now if you obey, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possessions, although the whole world is the whole earth is mine. One final verse. James 1.22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So as the group comes up here this morning, let's think about our connection with the word. Let's think about how hungry we are for the word. How much I am willing to pay or to give so that I would actually Learn from the Word. Meditate upon the Word. Not just read it on a Logos level. But go into the Rema. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. You have inspired the Word. You have something that you want to share. From the deepest hearts, heart of God. So help us to connect with the word. So that we can find out what is in the heart of God. And yes, Lord, we would love for you to come very close to us. You want to see your face. You want to see your presence. You want to see your your being. We want to see, we want to obey what you said, and we want to follow you and have fellowship with you. That's all we want. That's what I want. So help us, Lord. We want to thank you. Change the hearts of all of us this morning. In Jesus' name.